As David, I wonder if I should go for that. I noticed. As David, I'm sorry, I just hear too much echo on feedback. Can we wind it back and me push a bit more? I find that really hard. As David mentioned, uh, we have a church health theme for this year called Hear, Believe, Obey. Now, if you look at that, you realise that there have been some words left out. Hear, believe, obey what? I would like to say me, but that would be stupid. Hear, believe, obey the word of God. What we want is a church full of people this year, or every year, it's part of our church health promotion, who hear the word of God, believe the word of God and obey the word of God. To spur us on in this task, to focus on this effort, we're going to concentrate this year particularly on the Gospel of John. We're hoping in our preaching, at least on Sunday mornings, to get up to chapter 12, which they call the book of the signs. It's signs of Jesus, who he is. Now, I have a warning for you. It's going to get repetitive. There will be story after story and teaching after teaching about Jesus and who he is and what he does and constantly the message will be, you know, you need to hear, you need to listen up, you need to believe And in believing, find life and then you need to obey. That is the message you will hear in John's Gospel again and again and again. So you've been warned. This morning we start a three-talk series I've titled The Word of God. We're just looking at the first 18 verses of John's Gospel because John starts his story of Jesus, which is what his Gospel is, with a focus particularly on the Word of God. We're looking at the Word of God. Now, John is well qualified to write a story about Jesus. As a young man, he became one of Jesus' disciples. He followed him virtually 24-7. He heard what he said, he believed what he said and he obeyed what he said. He saw it all. He watched Jesus heal. He saw him up close. He saw how he responded to conflict. He saw him as he was sleeping, as he was waking, when he was In the morning, not cranky. He saw Jesus all the way to the foot of the cross. He was there as Jesus was crucified. He saw the blood and the water come from his side. He saw him go to be buried in the tomb. Three days later, he met the risen Jesus. Fifty days later, he saw him ascend to heaven. John knew the power and the presence of God's Holy Spirit. He was there on the day of Pentecost and he served Jesus for the rest of his days, often facing great trials and struggles. John is well qualified to write this story about Jesus. He writes it now as a much older man who has suffered much. And he doesn't write a memoir. He doesn't patch together notes that he made or memories that he has. If you look, and when we look at John's Gospel, you'll see this. This is incredibly carefully crafted literature. He is writing with a purpose, telling the story, the narrative of Jesus of Nazareth. Well, who he is and what he has done. Look at his signs. Look at his glory. John writes the Word of God, his Gospel, about the Word of God, Jesus. Because it's all about the Word. 
And what John says about the Word of God, even in his very first sentence, has earth-shattering, universe-shaping consequences that we need to listen to. John begins his story not historically but cosmically. Verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, three simple words, strangely familiar. I hope to many of you, certainly very familiar to the faithful Jews of Jesus' day. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, the first words in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we're back with the words of creation. Actually, we're back earlier than the words of creation because notice the next line, phrase, in the beginning was the word. Not in the beginning spoke the word, not in the beginning came the word, happened the word, in the beginning was the word. Before creation. God creates by his word in Genesis and God said, let there be light and there was light. Verse 6, and God said, let there be a vault of water. So God made the vault and God said, verse 9, let the water under the sky be gathered and so it was. God creates by his word. In the beginning was the word. Pre-existent as God creates ex nihilo, to use that fancy Latin phrase which means, really means out of nothing. As we understand nothing which we cannot understand, God creates by his word. The question of the ages is where did we come from? People have been asking that and quite naturally so. Where did we come from? The Bible's answer is we came from the word of God. God intended, God spoke and it happened just as God intended. I know a little bit about that. I, I have a bit of authority. Dog jumps up on the bed. I said, say to the dog, get off the bed. I intend. I speak and the dog gets off the bed most of the time. We have a holy problem in our house. It's in the backyard. I speak to the dog and I say, stop digging holes. We're still working on it. I take my kayak down to the beach. I see Jeff here this morning. Jeff and I have paddled through the waves and got smashed coming back. He did better than me. Oh, wouldn't it be nice to go down to the beach and put my kayak in the water and paddle out through nothing and get to that headland over there and explore so I go down and I say to the waves, peace, be still. And I bash my way out and get smashed. I am not God. My authority is limited. I can't control my dog. I'm kind of a leader in this church. I can't control this church. I can't control myself, let alone creation. God speaks as he intends it happens. He is God. 
In the beginning was the Word. You know what? Every Jew of Jesus' day would have said amen to that. Because it's there in Genesis. God speaks and it happens. It's not just there in Genesis, it's in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 3.19 By wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding he set the heavens in place. God created through his wisdom. So everyone's saying, Amen, says the same in Proverbs chapter 8. But hold on tight, because this next phrase just blows us all away. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Now, a little bit of tricky Greekness here. The preposition, the word with, used there is the word pros. There's a number of words in Greek. You don't even have to use a word explicitly. You can use it with the way you say the to say whether it's with. There's lots of other words like en. Uh, you, you can use to say the word idea of with. But pros, this word pros used for with is personal. I went for a swim with floaties. You can't use pros there because floaties aren't personal. I went for a swim with Anna. Yes, you can use pros there because Anna is person and I am person. This word pros is together with, in the presence of, accompanying. That's the word used here. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Uh, personally with God, accompanying God. It's a stunning statement. Seems as if John is telling us the word is personal, but it gets bigger than that. Look at the next phrase. The word was with God. If you have the next phrase up, And the Word was God. You yeah, watched the Brady Bunch? Many of you would have. It's a story of a lovely lady who was bringing up three very lovely girls. It's a story of a man named Brady who was busy with three boys of his own. John's writing a story. It's a story of the Word of God who was with God and who was God. It's the story of a man named Jesus who was born in a sleepy town called Bethlehem and grew up in Nazareth and lived 2,000 years ago. Wow. Something weird's going on here. Because <laughs> you compare the two, this man from this town of, Ga- town of Nazareth in Galilee and compare him with God who speaks and creation happens. The word of God who is with God. Oh my goodness me, what is this story about? I'll tell you what the story about is about. It's all about Jesus. The Word of God made flesh. John says it explicitly in verse 14, if you have your Bibles open there at chapter 1. 
Verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, says John, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. This story is all about the Word, yes, and yes, it's all about Jesus of Nazareth, yes. So let me help you, just let's be clear about this. Verse 1, in the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. Just in case I haven't made it quite clear enough, verse 2, this one was with God in the beginning. That's the story we're launching into. That's how John starts his story of Jesus. And he continues to spell out the magnitude of this story. Verse 3. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Did you note the word him? Through it the word, no, it doesn't say that. It says through him. This is personal. Through him, through Jesus, all things were made. Apart from him nothing was made that has been made. Jesus is the personal agent of creation. Jesus, if we go back to Genesis chapter 1, is the word of God. Jesus, if we go to Proverbs 3 and Proverbs 8, is the wisdom of God through whom the world was created. The universe was created. That's what John's saying. It's all about Jesus. So you just have a look around you. Just look at the person sitting near you. Look at the clothes they're wearing. Chairs here. Let's go for a wander outside. We've got those box gums just there. Cross the road down to the railway station. See the cars going by. Get on a boat, cross the ocean. All the dolphins you see as they jump along beside the boat. Land in Thailand, land in Zimbabwe, land in New Zealand. I don't care where you go. Go to Cape Canaveral, fly to the moon. Look out of a telescope. Look at the far reaches of the galaxies. Look down a microscope. It's all made by Jesus. Everything is because of Jesus. That is what the Bible teaches. If this is blowing you away, if this is just all a bit too much, I'm sorry, this is what the Bible teaches. It's all about Jesus. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. I just want to make it clear. All of creation, all of the cosmos, it's all about Jesus. Now, hold it a second. Creation is external to us. We experience it. We interact with it through our senses. But my life is hid with me. It's, it's inside me, it's me, it's my life, separate to all that other, separate to you. This is my world, my life. Not according to John. Even your life is all about Jesus. And your hope for eternal life, that your life not be vanquished, is all about Jesus. Verse 4. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. 
is, have you, you've got to stop for a second and realise how weird life is. Seriously, you should all be freaking out today. What's going on, boys? What's It's so weird to have livingness around you. They keep moving. You should be horrified. You know, you go to the moon, you won't find any life. You go to Mars, you won't find any life. I know people speculate, but the evidence is like this big. Compared to what life is, we're alive. Everything around us is alive. That is our world. Without life, you've just got dead dirt. And let me tell you something, dead dirt is fascinatingly amazing and incredible that it should hold together. What about life? So weird, so complex. Why are you alive at all, man? I could kill you in a million ways. I can't really. But if I could just get into your body and do this. How many thousands, hundreds of thousands of things could I go into your body and just change that? Gone. We're all alive. Ponder. Oh, no, 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 no. We can explain it. You've got cells and DNA and RNA and transmission and replication and carbon and oxygen and nitrogen, amino acids, and membranes, things flow back, the mitochondria. You told me a bit about the mechanics, but even your mechanics, you don't really understand the mechanics. Not really. Not like you can for a watch or a car. But all you've done is tell me about the mechanics. You haven't told me about the essence of life, the mystery of life. You cannot create life. The best scientists in the world are unable to create life or get within a shred of even being close. They can barely create the amino acids. You can't sustain life. You cannot stop decay. You certainly cannot start life. And let me ask you this, can you explain to me a child's smile? Can you explain a lover's touch? Oh, that's just an evolutionary preconditioned response so that the species generate, really, is that a lover's touch as we experience it? Can you explain that to me? Can you explain an orchid? Or humour? Or family? Or purpose? Or hope? Or joy? Can you explain art? Or music? Or something as simple as beauty? So can you explain life? John says, Jesus, he's all about life. He is the creator of life and he is life. I was on the train this week travelling from the city to Pennant Hills and went from uh, between St Leonard's and Artarman. Someone has put up a sign, they've cut out red bits of paper, maybe laminated them, stuck in red letters, 
Jesus is life. They're all hanging loose. It looks like some wackos just put them up next to the train station. You know the sort of thing you see? Jesus is life. What is that? Let me tell you, if you see that sign, that is the truest thing you will see on the train journey between Central and Pennant Hills. It is 100% accurate. Jesus is life. Throughout John's Gospel, it tells us that if you want life, if you want eternal life, real life, come to Jesus, for he is life. And without his life, it's deep, it's dark, it's deep dark, it's despairing dark. But into our evil world of death and decay and hopelessness, Jesus shines his self-existing light. He shines it through his life. And ours, therefore, is not a cold, dark, meaningless universe. And we are a spot of ridiculous, animated, almost inexplicable, but ultimately futile life in the middle of it. No, no, that's not the way it is. This is Jesus' world. And you have life because he is life. And he created your life and sustains your life and holds your life. And though the darkness surrounds us, his life, his word shines all the brighter. Verse 5. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome or understood or grasped it. Shine, Jesus, shine. Fill this land with your glory. Well, he does and he ever will. And as long as light shines, there's a fascinating thing about lightness and dark, as long as the light shines, the darkness doesn't have a hope. Darkness cannot conquer light as long as the light shines. The light pushes back the darkness. And the light of Jesus, the eternal word of God, will never be extinguished. Verse 5 there, it's almost a summary of John's Gospel. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome or grasped or understood it. Point one, light invades the realm of darkness. Jesus comes. Point two, Satan and those subject to him resist the light. Now we're into the story of John. But they are unable to thwart its power. Point three, the light is victorious even in the face of opposition. The darkness tries to extinguish the light but it cannot get hold of it. It just can't grasp the light because the light shines brighter still and the darkness of the cross gives way to the light of life in the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Life and light that is available for you and for me. So this is how John begins his story of Jesus. It's all about the word of God And the word of God is all about Jesus, the living word who became flesh and dwelt amongst us and shone his light and his life. It's all about Jesus. We're going to be going through John's Gospel and I have warned you, it will get repetitive because it's all about Jesus and his life and his light and his call to hear, believe and obey. Think about the problem with us Christians, and people might say this, at least they think it, I'm sure, like that wacko who put that sign on the train line. 
Why, you're always rambling on all about this Jesus stuff. Jesus this, Jesus that. You sing your songs, you raise your hands, you get all teary because of Jesus or whatever. Jesus is life. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Jesus, Almighty God, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus, my personal Saviour. Jesus, my friend in high places. Jesus, name above all names. Go on and on. Can't you go easy? Can't you shut up about the easy stuff? I don't mind you doing your church. I don't mind your religion. I don't mind that you're trying to live a good life. I don't mind all that just... Give up on the Jesus stuff. Your personal friend. Now here's the thing. We cannot give up on the Jesus stuff. We can't go easy. We must not go easy. John doesn't go easy in his gospel. Jesus doesn't go easy even in regard to himself. That's one of the fascinating things about the gospels that Jesus keeps saying it's all about me. And people follow him. And he lives it out. Can't go easy on Jesus. It really is all about Jesus. My life and your life and creation, light in the darkness, hope in a hopeless world. It's all about Jesus. So this year we're going to pursue one big theme to encourage our church hill. Here. The Word of God. Believe in the Word of God. Obey the Word of God. Which is simply to say, will you hear the voice of Jesus? Will you open your ears and most importantly your heart and hear? And then when you hear by God's Spirit, will you believe the Word of Jesus? The person, will you believe on Jesus and put your life and entrust your life to him as Lord and will you obey him and serve him as the Lord and King, the sovereign that he is? Because the bottom line, it's all about Jesus. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for sending your Son whom we know as Jesus our Saviour. Help us to know him better. Help us to love him dearer. And help us to hear, believe and obey his word and his call we ask through his name always. Amen.